Amen. Happy Easter. It's good to see you all here today. What, we had a great breakfast this morning, and uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I know after a big hearty breakfast like that, my work's cut out because uh, i got to keep you all awake now. Uh, but it was great. It is, it is, this is the first time we've had breakfast, obviously, in three years, right? And, uh, and then uh, Easter egg hunt, lots of fun activities. Couldn't ask for a better day. What a great day. And uh, what a great day to come together. And the real uh, reason we come together is to worship a living Savior. Because we've been given salvation. We've been given new life because of Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross. And so I'm excited to open up God's Word and to uh, look at it together. I'm excited to hear what God has for us. But before I do that, and I need to... uh, We'll use this mic right here. Uh, we have a uh, little family announcement, and so Paul and Shizuka asked to give a, to share a little word with us. So let's wel- welcome Paul and Shizuka. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, as you know, we haven't been here for some time, and that's for a reason. It's because Shizuka and I are expecting in July. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so, when Omicron broke out, uh, we wanted to keep her safe, so we've been staying home just to be mindful of crowds and whatnot, but we're really excited, and we're so thankful for the love and support that the, the, our, our congregation has shown us throughout this entire journey that we've had, and it's like we've had this very compressed timeline of what life should be, <laughs> and it's been just a uh, glorious and miraculous um, just, it's, it's all through God, and we're so very grateful. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, and uh, I, I'm glad Paul used the word miraculous because that really is what it is. Uh, you know, in October last year, Shizuka and Paul sat up here, and I know many of you were here, and they shared their testimony of, uh, of how God miraculously healed Shizuka. And, and miracle is not too strong of a word. Uh, Paul, I remember Paul calling me up and saying, hey, can you come and help uh, uh, the family say their final goodbyes? And uh, Shizuka had been on bed rest and hospice care and uh, not expected to live more than a few hours. And uh, that night... Uh, God wakes her up and says, Shizuka, get up and, and pray. And uh, Shizuka's like, I haven't been out of this bed for how many months? Like five months. And yet she gets up and goes into the living room and prays and, uh, and prays for several hours. And God says, Shizuka, you, you need to get up and eat. And uh, I haven't eaten anything except through a tube for six months. What do you want me to eat, God? He's, anything you want. What do I want to eat? Mexican pancakes. <laughs> so wakes up Paul. What are you doing awake, honey? Uh, what are you doing out of bed? Carries her to the grocery store, buys the ingredients, and eats. And no reaction. And now... He stood up here and told that, uh, that, gave that testimony, and it wasn't but had to have been a few days, and they conceived. 
and another miracle. God is a God of miracles, amen? And, and that's really what we celebrate this morning, that Jesus went to the cross and he died a death, not an imaginary death, not he uh, fainted or, halluc- or this was some sort of hallucin- hallucination. He died. They stuck a, a sword in his side uh, and uh, just to double check, and he was dead, and he laid in the tomb three days, and the disciples went and they found an, uh, an empty grave, and they worshiped him when they realized that he was alive. Jesus had said earlier in his life, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. And then the next question he asks Mary and Martha in that passage is, do you believe this? You see, the resurrection that Jesus is talking about in that passage, there is a physical resurrection. The resurrection that he's talking about in that passage is a spiritual resurrection where he takes dead hearts that had turned away from him and run from him. And he makes us alive to him. He gives us salvation and new life in him. And so that is what we're going to do now. We're going to open up God's word. We're going to pray and ask him to speak to us and, uh, and believe that he has life for us, even in the midst of all of life's difficulties. So let's go before the Lord and, uh, and ask that he would speak to us. God, we come before you now and we recognize that you are, as J.R. prayed, not a dead God, not a God that sits on the sidelines passive, but that you are alive and active. And it is your heart's desire, we take this by faith, that it is your heart's desire to speak to us. And so God, we pray that you would come now and open up your scriptures to us. And may you give us a word that is relevant to our lives. And uh, will touch us in what we are going through. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It was about two years ago that the world basically shut down because of a new, unknown, scary virus. Uh, Coronavirus, COVID-19, we were hearing about this on the news. We had no idea what, uh, what, what was coming, but we knew it was troublesome. And so everyone kind of pumped the brakes, slammed on the brakes, and the world came to a screeching halt, kind of like a car on the freeway that something scary happens in front of you and you slam on the brakes just hoping that it won't be any worse than it has to be. And we shut everything down. And, uh, and then we uh, said, you know, surely this will be two weeks, three weeks, right? And we'll be back to normal. I remember churches saying that we're going to, Meet online for three weeks, and then we'll be back in the sanctuary. And I can imagine God in the heavens just laughing. You know, what did we have? We had no idea what was coming our way. Now, that was two years ago. And even though the restrictions are now, uh, are now easing, and we're kind of trying to get back to something of normal, it feels like the ripple effects are still here. And it has changed our world so dramatically. We are still feeling the effects of COVID and the pandemic. Here's one effect that I found uh, significant. Did you know in the last two years, there have been more accidents from reckless driving and drunk driving than there normally is in a two-year span? And uh, significantly more. Now, put that into context, 
and that especially two years ago, no one was driving. And yet there, are, and yet there is this kind of frustration that seems to boil up over and over again in different ways. I just heard on the news this past week that since January of this year, there have been 11 reported incidences of, uh, of ruthless, or what did the word, what's the word they use, uh, disruptive passengers on airplane flights. Now, 1,100, I don't know if that's, uh, that, doesn't, that doesn't mean anything to me. I don't know how many are normally happen. But the news said it's way more than normal. It's, it's because we are almost like pots on the stove, and there's a fire that just keeps uh, coming up underneath of us. And, uh, and in our lives, it's like there's this seething frustration and anger and disappointment that's about to come boiling over at any moment. And there's been so much frustration just underlying from the pandemic and everything that's happened that it just causes the, uh, these emotions to come up, sometimes unexpectedly, in our lives. A few more statistics that uh, we will find disturbing. The number of people who say they have no close friends has quadrupled in the last couple years. 54% of Americans say, no one knows me well. The number of people suffering from depression is up 57%. And we have record number of, numbers of hate crimes, and weekly, if not daily, we hear stories of shootings and senseless violence. You see, this world that we are living in, and we can blame part of it on the pandemic, and there's surely other sources as well, but the world that we are living in is a troubled world. And that's obvious, but we want to make sense of it. We want to know, like, what's going on and what's the solution. And because the problems are so obvious, there's all kinds of solutions that have been offered. There's political solutions and healthcare solutions and economic solutions and educational solutions. But what I want to do this morning is I want to back up and I want to propose a more foundational solution. Now, many of these solutions are so new, they're all at the forefront. It sounds good when we hear it. But the solution that I'm going to uh, mention this morning is the oldest solution in the book. It's a solution that's, uh, that stood the test of time. It's 2,000 years old. It's grounded in the death and resurrection of, Je of Jesus. And, it, and the solution that I want to uh, present this morning, I don't think is a pat answer or trite or what you would expect to hear just because we're in church. This is the truth. This is God's uh, plan for our lives, and it has solutions for the world and our own personal struggles in our own hearts, families, and communities. To ground us in this, to, uh, to ground us in God's truth, we're going to look at God's word. So open up your Bibles to Romans 5, 6 through 11. And so if you have your Bible, open it. There should be some Bibles in the chairs in front of you, or pull out your device. You know, we work like the Dickens to get this, this screen fixed by uh, Easter, and uh, everything is so slow right now uh, that we couldn't quite get it done. But um, even so, it's better to have the Word of God open in front of us. We're looking at Romans 5, verses 6 through 11. Romans 5, 6 through 11. And, uh, and I prayed about this this week, and this is what I feel like the Lord laid on my heart to share with you this morning. And I do think it has relevance for our lives. 
May God open up his word to us. Starting at verse 6, you see at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will a person die for a, a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. In these six verses, we have some principles, and I'm sure we could draw out a whole lot more, but I want to highlight three things that jump out at us from this passage that are relevant for our world and our lives today. The first point I want to make is that there is pervasive evil. Look at the four descriptions of people here in this passage. People are described as powerless, ungodly, sinners, and God's enemies. Those are the four descriptions for humankind. Not the Lily uh, White uh, Resurrection Sunday sermon you expected, right? My first point is that there is pervasive evil. But if we are to understand what is going on in our, in our world... We have to understand that this is the world that we live in. And I actually shouldn't have to hammer this point too hard. We can look around and we can recognize things are not the way they should be. Like when we hear the story of, a, when we hear on the news about a guy who goes into the New York City subway and sets off smoke grenades and opens fire on people that he does not know, we know that there is pervasive evil. When an evil regime uh, invades a country unprovoked, there is pervasive evil. When people respond to your kindness with harshness, we can say without a doubt that there is pervasive evil. Like this is the reality. And we don't like to think of it that way. We like to think that most people are good and most people, uh, and, and that good outweighs the bad in the world. But I have a tendency to believe that if we look at it with eyes wide open, we can recognize things are not the way that they should be. There is pervasive evil in this world. Now, it's easy to point our fingers and, and say, oh, the evil's over there, the evil's over there. What about in our own hearts? You know, last, last two nights ago on Good Friday, we set up the cross here, and Pastor Darren had us uh, write our names on a white piece of paper, and, uh, and each of us come up one at a time and nail them to the to the cross. And, uh, and I was so moved as I saw all these names begin to cover the cross. And, uh, and I had my little piece of white paper in my hand, and, uh, and I wanted to go up and tape my piece of paper to the, to the cross as well, but I had one problem. I had no pen. I couldn't write my name down. But I didn't want to miss out, and so I went up and I taped a blank piece of paper right here to the edge. And, uh, and after, uh, after I sat down and I looked at all of those uh, names on the cross, I thought, 
you know what, even though my name is not technically up there, that's probably pretty accurate. Because in every way, I don't deserve to be up there. There's nothing that I have done that's good that would cause God to say, I choose him. He's, he's a good person. He'll, he'll be a good soldier in my army, so to speak. Uh, there is nothing that I have done, and all of us could say that. When compared to the glory of God, we have all fallen far short. There is evil within us. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. They say sheep are the dumbest animals. One sheep will get spooked by something that's not even there and take off running and jump over a cliff. And all the other... uh, and all the rest of the sheep and the flock will follow all to their own death, and there's nothing there to be scared of. And this is what has happened in human history. We talk about how difficult the time is right now. It's not any new, it's not any different in this generation than it has been in every generation. Every generation has followed just like dumb sheep. We all keep falling off the cliff one after another. We all keep making the same mistake, and the mistake is that we run from God. We have a natural bent, an inclination to turn away from God. We can blame it on our own selfish ambition, our pride, our greed. It is the sinful nature that we are born with. We have run from God, and that is why evil runs amok. And that is why evil is pervasive. So that's point number one. So far, not such a pretty Easter message. But point two, it gets better. Because if we don't understand point one, we won't get point two. The second point is that there is a passionate God. Now, I use the word passion deliberately because of the real meaning of the word. The word comes from a Latin word, pate, which means to suffer or to endure. And this past week, we called it the Passion Week, referring to the suffering of Jesus. It's not just the emotions that he has, a passionate Christ. It is the suffering that he uh, bore on our behalf when he went to the cross. You see, Jesus's suffering uh, on the cross shows us how much he cares. We see that in verse 8. But God demonstrates. He shows us. He makes very clear to us. He demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's been said no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And we know how much God cares because he sent his son to this earth to die on the cross. And when he was on the cross, there was some sort of divine exchange. And this is the gospel in a nutshell. This is what uh, Christianity is all about. Jesus, when he hung on the cross, he came as a perfect being, as a perfect man, He lived, the second person of the Trinity, he lived a sinless life, and yet he went to the cross uh, to bear sins, not his own sins, but the sins of all those who would trust in him. And so in some way, our sins, when we place our faith in Jesus, our sins are transferred and placed on him, and his righteousness is imputed, transferred to us. It's a divine exchange. And God somehow in, his, in a mixture of his wisdom and his mercy came up with this perfect plan 
that those who would trust in him would receive his mercy even though we don't deserve it. We're changed. And in this passage, it drives home the same point three times. Verse 6, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 8, when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 10, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. See, when we place our faith in Jesus, there is a divine exchange. And we're changed from enemies of God to become friends of God. From those that are stuck in their sin to those who are forgiven and have power over sin and death. To those that were far from God to those who are brought near. From those who are running from God to those who can now rest in his care and protection protection. And so we have a passionate God who cares about what is going on in the world and he cares about what is going on in your life. Not dispassionate in the least. And I just think we ought to stop and remember that. That we have a God who cares about refugees coming out of Afghan or out of Ukraine. We have a God who cares about the poor who suffer. We have a God who cares about women who are stuck in sex trafficking. We have a God who cares about kids who are mistreated and abused or bullied. And we have a God who cares about your troubles, no matter how big or small they may seem. And so we need to understand this, that one, there is pervasive evil, but two, there is a passionate God. And then the third point, and this is actually the main point of the passage, the third point is that there is persistent love. Pervasive evil, a passionate God, and persistent love. God's love is persistent. In other words, God's love keeps on coming, even to those who, especially to those who trust in him. Someone gave me my little happy Easter pin, and um, it has two Easter eggs and an Easter bunny. I thought of this this morning. Like, you think about an uh, Easter bunny... This Easter bunny's got to be like the Energizer bunny who just keeps going and going and going, right? And that's what God's love is. It just keeps going and going and going. And God's love is persistent. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 is the, is the most important verse in the passage. It's the, it's the verse in which the whole, prem, the whole main idea uh, hangs on. It hinges on the first word, verse, uh, the first word, since. Verse 9, since... We have now been justified by his blood. How much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So in other words, if God loved us when we were his enemies, how much more is he going to love us now that we are his children? If God loved us when we were running from him, how much more is he going to love us if we run to him? Verse 10 drives home the same point. If while we were, were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through his, the death of his son Jesus, how much more, having now been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? And I think that's a message that we need to hear uh, on this Easter Sunday. Because we may feel like, man, does God still love me? 
This world has been so hard for so long, and I'm just worn out. I'm just tired. I'm emotionally drained. I'm frustrated. Like I said, like we said at the uh, beginning of the sermon, it just feels like the emotions are boiling over. And we wonder, does God still love me? This passage says, if God loved us when we were so screwed up and lost in our sin and had no interest in him, then how much more is he going to love us now that we have been called to him and we are his family? That is the main point of this passage And that's the main point of this sermon. I've entitled this sermon, He Loved Us Then, He'll Love Us Now. And that is Easter's message for us today. Theologian John Flavel says, As God did not at first choose you because you were high, He will not now forsake you because you are low. And that's the message for us today. When I was a young adult, I worked several summers at a camp. And as a camp counselor, my favorite activity all week was to take the kids canoeing. And, uh, and we'd always go canoeing on the middle day of the week on, on Wednesday, and we'd go down this river. And the river wasn't super difficult, not a lot of rapids. Uh, usually there was a current, you just follow the current. Uh, but every once in a while, the, the river would narrow, and there would be some rocks, and you'd have to navigate your way through the rapids. And uh, especially after a rain, when the river, when the current started flowing faster, there, it could be a little bit tricky. And so I would always sit in the back of the canoe, because if you have any canoeing experience, you know the person in the back steers it. And I knew how to keep the canoe going straight. You don't ever want to get the canoe at an angle where it hit a, hit a rock or something like that. And so one, one uh, summer afternoon, we're going down this river, and uh, it was one of those days that it had just rained the day before. And so the river was going a little bit faster than normal. And in fact, we had debated whether we should even take the kids uh, canoeing this week or not. But we said, ah, man, it's so much fun. We've got to take them. And so we get going down the river, and we're approaching an area where there are some rapids, there's some rocks. And I'm in the back of the canoe, and there's a camper in the front. And, that, and so now I'm sitting up because this is where I got to do my work to get through these rapids uh, cleanly. And the camper in the front stands up in the front of the canoe. I'm like, what are you doing? Sit down. You're going to fall out. He says, I'm jumping out. I said, no, don't jump out. And uh, you're, you're a fool if you jump out. He thought he could navigate his way through the rapids better on his own, swimming through them, than if he would have stayed in the canoe. And this is what we do sometimes in our own lives. The troubles come and we think, oh, I'm going to navigate this on on my own. And we're fools if we do. We're fools if we jump out of the boat, out of God's protection, out of God's care for us. You know, I shared with you a bunch of statistics at the beginning of the sermon. I want to give two more for us to consider. Statistic number one is that church attendance is down about one-third on average in America as what it was pre-pandemic. That's a big number. A third. Stat number two. About 30% of Americans claim no religious affiliation. No belief in God at all. And what I just want to suggests to us is we are fools 
if we jump out of the boat, we leave God's love and protection. After Jesus rose from the dead, he was, he was on earth for uh, 50 days, and we're going to c- celebrate Pentecost um, uh, this year as a church. But he was, on, he, was, uh, he was on the earth, and before he, or after he ascended into heaven, on the day of Pentecost, he gave us two gifts. One was the gift of the Holy Spirit, and two was the gift of the church. And both of those gifts are relational gifts. One that we might have fellowship with God, and the other that we might have fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ. And what breaks my heart today is that so many are facing the troubles of the world that we are in, and there are a lot of troubles. But they seem to uh, abandon the gifts that God has uh, given them to jump out of the boat. They abandon the strength that God can give. They abandon the help that God's community can give us. And what we need more than anything today is we need strength, peace, and hope. And only God can provide those things. We need to go to Jesus. The whole of the Christian life can be summed up in two steps. If you remember nothing else, remember these two steps. This is the whole of the Christian life. Step one Go to Jesus. Step two, repeat step one. That's what the Christian life is all about. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He loved us then. He'll love us still. While evil is pervasive, we have a passionate God with a persistent love, and that's the message of Easter for us today. Okay, before we uh, wrap up, I just want to point out that there's one more observation in the text there's only one thing in Romans uh, 5, 6 through 11 that it tells us to do. It's found in the last verse, in, in verse 11. One command, and, and this is it. It says in verse 11, boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the one thing we're told to do. The whole passage is about what God has done for us. One thing we are told to do, boast in God. Now we ba- naturally boast in all kinds of things that please us. We boast in the restaurant we went to on Friday night. Oh, it had the best uh, sushi. We got to go to that restaurant. We boast in uh, a fish we caught. It was a six-foot-long fish. It was really two feet long, but oh, it was a six-foot-long fish. Boast in the game winner we hit in high school two decades ago. Boast in our kids. We boast in our accomplishments. We boast in the places that we've been. We love to boast, but do we boast in God? You see, we always boast in the things that please us, in the things that we value the most, in the things that are treasures to us, the things that we love. If we boast in God, what we are doing is we are making ourselves proud of the fact that we have been saved, not because of our own good deeds, because of what Jesus has done for us. We are, uh, we are elevating in, uh, our love and our value of God in our lives. And so that's what we're going to do to close today's sermon. We're going to boast in God. Okay, so this is a little call and response. I just thought of a few things, and, and maybe, you'll, maybe you could think of others. But I'm going to call out some things. And if you resonate with this, if your heart resonates with this, give me an amen. We're going to boast in God. We boast in God, for he has 
rescued you from the pit of sin and death and washed you clean. Amen? We boast in God because he has risen from the dead so that we may have new life in Jesus. We boast in God because he is bringing us through a pandemic. We boast in God because he gives you a peace that transcends all understanding. We boast in God because he will never leave you nor forsake you. We boast in God because he knows the number of hairs on your head and is mindful of you. We boast in God because his coming day of salvation uh, is coming when he will make all things right and justice will reign once and for all. Amen. We have a lot to boast in. We could keep on going, but we serve a good God. And a God that loves us so much. And so my prayer for us today is that God is real. Not just today, not just like Christmas and Easter, but God is real for you every day of the year. And he can make a difference because he truly is our source of strength, peace, and hope. Again, I said this is an old message. It's a message that some of us have heard a million times. But it really is the message that we need to hear again today. The hope of this world is not ultimately found in worldly solutions. Hope of this world is found in a relationship with Jesus. I'm going to invite the prayer counselors to come forward now, and, um, and uh, I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward as I, as I pray. Um, but you may be here this morning, and maybe, that's, maybe this resonates with you, and you're like, I've run from God, and I'm ready to come back to God. Maybe uh, you are here and uh, you're like, I've never made that decision. But I'd like to uh, receive prayer and, and make that decision to, to follow Jesus today. And maybe you're here and you're just like, I just want someone to lift me up in prayer. It's nothing big, but I just want to uh, join with the, the, uh, someone and and, and join together in prayer. God's word says where two or three are gathered together in his name, he is there with us. So we have an opportunity to pray together. Let's all stand as we uh, pray and uh, sing this last song. And then if you want to receive prayer, I encourage you to come and receive prayer during this final song. Father God, we are thankful for today. We just want to say hallelujah, praise you, God the salvation that you have given to us. And God, when we recognize the pervasive evil that is all around us and even within us, God, we just want to bow our knee and say we are sorry. But God, thank you that you did not give up on us. Thank you that, you, that your love is persistent, that you keep on calling us to yourself again and again and again. And so God, this morning on Easter Sunday 2022, use this as an opportunity to come back to you one more time. Thank you that you love us so much. Thank you that you continue to call us to yourself. Help us to respond to you in obedience. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.